Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need from America's mortgage mentor with more than 35 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. You'll learn to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently. Also, be sure to check out Jen's book, Launch, How to Take Your Business to New Heights. Available on Amazon. For a signed copy, contact Jen at jenduplessis.com. Now, here is certified mortgage planner and CEO of Kinetic Spark Consulting, Jen Duplessis. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis, and today I have a very special guest with me, uh, William Mervin, who goes by Bill. So we'll call him Bill as we're on the call here today. And um, he is a branch manager at Annie Mac Home Mortgage in Newton, Pennsylvania, um, which I love the area, by the way, and has been in both real estate and mortgage mortgages since 2001 so he'll tell us the story here in just a few minutes and uh, Bill has a great team uh, called the Mervyn Mortgage Team uh, and they operate uh, kind of like I do as well you know focusing on um, mortgage planning really focusing hard on mortgage planning and not just quoting rates and products and not showing up to closing never to be heard from again you know that we want to make sure that we've got a really good uh, practice that's sustainable um, using that consultative approach that, that we talk about quite a bit. So, um, Bill, welcome to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm so happy to have you here. Well, thank you so much, Jen. It's uh, it's good to be here. Um, just uh, have, have definitely followed you for a bit and, uh, and and am honored to be on the show. Thank you. So let's kind of get started. I, I, one of the things that I want to talk about is um, how you feel about today's market. Um, here we are, it's the middle of summer in 2018, and I want to just kind of, kind of get a sense for what, what's going on in your market and how you're feeling uh, right now, and then what kind of adjustments have you and your team been making as of late for, um, to facilitate this particular marketplace? Yeah, oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that there are, uh, we're seeing two, uh, predominant themes uh, right now that are are, are really kind of um, steering steering the course of, uh, of of our decisions, and one is kind of a macro to the whole whole business, and then the other one's kind of specific just to the financing side of it. So uh, the first theme, of course, is the uh, you know the ongoing um, issues with you know, housing stock and, uh, just lack of inventory. Um, and then the second one being on the, on the, on the mortgage finance side, uh, the, uh, you know, the margin compression that, uh, everybody is experiencing. So, you know, on the, in, on the inventory side, of course, um, I forget how many consecutive months of declining inventory we've had, you know, we thought it was bad last year and then this year it's, it's worse. And, uh, certainly in our marketplace, there is just not enough, 
good homes uh, for for buyers or there's homes there's just not a lot of the, the good ones are are flying off the shelves and uh, it's just made for uh, it's made things tricky right and then certainly for first-time buyers in need of sellers assist it is you know it's kind of uh, made that more difficult um, you know and, and I don't really know you know where where exactly the end is in sight you know I don't know when the you know the different uh, forces that are uh, making this you know this uh, this situation are going to uh, abate, but it's definitely been an ongoing issue. So, you know, what are we doing to uh, to address that particular issue? Um, a number of things, and and um, you know, first and foremost is we're having a conversation both with our partners and with the clients early on into the process. So certainly with our partners, we want to let them know. Uh, our referral partners, the things that we can do. Um, so that is, of course, our platinum approval, uh, where we are um, trying to get everything signed off and approved by the underwriter uh, up front, uh, which, you know, certainly that, that that's helpful in cases where there might be some gray areas or anything questionable with a file. Uh, but more importantly, um, you know, the sellers, we wouldn't issue a pre-approval if we weren't sure about a client, but the sellers don't know that we're, quote, one of the good guys. So by doing that extra level of due diligence, having it signed off by an underwriter, um, I think that it um, it's not cash, but it's the closest thing you're going to get on financing. And so I think that that gives, us, uh, that gives us a leg up. There could be some other things that we could do to get creative about our structures. If we have additional cash available, even if it's through the fa- a family member, um, we could list that on our borrower's financial, which we have here in Pennsylvania, and we could make it um, – you know, what we've seen some people do is write up a cash offer and then say the buyer reserves the right to obtain financing. So we always intend to get financing, but we're showing the seller, hey, look, we could could close cash or we could close 50% down, even if that's not ultimately our intention, uh, our intention to make our offer a little bit stronger. Um, so those are the types of things we're, we're doing. Um, we're also doing certain videos and other things to both a personalize um, the offer for our clients um, and for our partners uh, to the listing uh, to the seller, because um, sometimes kind of tugging on those heartstrings is 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 helpful, right? To make the person have an emotional tie to our clients, but also it's to let them know that we've done our due diligence and we've done our homework and you know we've done these things and we recognize that. So again, hopefully we stand out and pop to the to the listing agent and the seller that hey, these are people who are going to get the job done um, when there's not a lot. Um, separating, separating people. So that, that's that. Um, and then also, I think as part of that consultative approach, I think it's not just putting clients in the right product and getting them pre-qualified, but I think part of that has to do with having that conversation early on. This is a difficult market. This is challenging. And when you see that perfect home that you have to have, you know, what does it look like? We're going to have to be aggressive. We might, you know, have to do X, Y, Z to, to be a little bit more aggressive and come out strong and, and, um, you know, the agents that we work with are saying your people are writing faster and they're writing stronger than a lot of the other lenders we work with. And I think that has to do with kind of setting those right expectations up front. So that, that's what we're doing on the inventory side. You know, margin compression is kind of an ongoing issue with, you know, refinances down some 25%, um, purchases business more or less flat. Um, you've got traditional players that were, you know, in the consumer direct refinance model that are giving their best shot to get over into the purchase market now that the refis are drying up. Um, you know, you've got, I think the large institutional lenders are trying to retain staff and, 
um, you know, until they see exactly where, you know, the right staffing levels, levels are and, and exactly, you know, where this thing settles out. So I know that they're bringing, doing everything they can to bring revenue in the door, even if they're doing very kind of skinny deals. And, um, and of course, you got the continued, uh, you know, push of tech into, uh, into our industry. And it's, um, there's definitely plenty of business coming in the door. But frankly, you know, there's you know less and less revenue go around on a on a per deal basis, and um, it's challenging. And I think that that's just um, you know running a you know trying to you know look for efficiencies, um, and quite frankly, just to grow volume to grow through it by um, you know just focusing on relationships and focusing on service. So um, you know those are the two big themes that we're noticing, and those are some of the things that we're doing to uh, to work with it. Awesome. Okay, so I have a couple of follow-up questions for you based on um, sure. you know what you had what you had said. Um, so the first is, and, and let me just kind of preface this too. I, I failed to tell everybody what your volume is, but we're gonna and we're gonna talk about that here in a few minutes and yep. how you uh, got to where you are in, in such a short period of time. Um, in 2017, you had 237 uh, families that you served and 57 million in production, right? That's so correct. Everybody yeah. gets an idea of yeah, gets an idea of what your um, your volume was last year. So mm-hmm. the, a couple of things that you had mentioned was uh, one that you are now uh, you know implementing in your process uh, to have it, to do a video for the listing agent to give to the seller or share with the seller, and this is something I've been doing for actually almost two years now, it's kind of become a popular thing, Um, (laughs) but I've been doing it for almost two years. So I I just want to share with everybody um, what, what specifically you're doing because I, um, and maybe we can kind of walk through this and and put together, you know, maybe a three or five step thing about uh, the letter because I've, I I wrote an article for one of the, um, one of our chronicles, I can't remember which one saying when enough isn't enough. And right now, it's just not enough to just send a letter. It's not going yep. to get the attention that you need, even if in the body of the letter you've got something very um, creative, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute with you. But um, So maybe you can cut, walk through your process on how you are providing, uh, you know, what steps you're taking to provide a wow experience that gets the attention of the listing agent as well as the seller, aside from just the letter. Sure, certainly. Um, you know, it, when we do it, typically we wanted to include three things. We wanted to include, you know, something personal, right? It's not going to land with every listing agent and or seller. Um, but, you know, I've seen realtors do that. You know, they love the community. They want to grow roads here. They love the schools, whatever, whatever it is. So I think something that kind of personalizes it so that that person can envision, hey, this is a, you know, besides just the numbers, this is a a family on the other end. And certainly I think, you know, there's certainly a a segment of sellers that are going to, you know, want somebody that they like or somebody they can kind of envision, you know, somebody kind of carrying the torch, if you will. So that's that's always the first piece. Um, The second piece is uh, explaining um, is, is just the, you know, the comfortability with the, the loan itself, right? So it's one thing, like you said, to say, hey, we did our due diligence. Um, it's another thing to kind of point out the different steps that um, go into kind of vetting a loan and, and letting a, a seasoned listing agent um, ultimately understand that, you know, that you've, you know, dotted your I's and crossed your T's. And, and this is really something that they can, uh, you know, rely on is going to get to the table smoothly and efficiently and, and so on and so forth. So certainly, 
you know, maybe some sellers and listing agents won't put a premium on that, but certainly when you're neck and neck, um, you know, in terms of the overall, you know, net to the seller, um, certainly the ability to, the, conf, the confidence that it's going to get, uh, get done and get done smoothly is going to really weigh in. Um, and then the third piece that we try to include that I try to include is um, something that, you know, we want to recognize. We want um, let's face it. I mean, the, all of the people in this industry typically are, are or should be, you know, very customer centric. But this is also how they make a living. And so we try to t- we try to tap into that by saying, listen, we, you know, we realize that that uh, even though we're on the other side of this transaction, that you know how this goes is going to be a reflection on you at least indirectly because you're going to have a part in in helping them kind of you know go through uh, the decision making process on which offer to accept we recognize that and so we recognize how smooth this goes for everybody besides you know having a great customer experience for everybody involved that this could directly tie back to your ability to get repeat and referral business and we recognize that it's very important to us as well and we're going to make sure that if you accept this offer it's going to go very very smoothly to make sure that we can all have happy long-term clients um, and I think that acknowledgement of that and the fact that that is our mindset going into the process that listing agent hopefully is saying yes this is what I want to um, you know this is kind of what I want to push and, and endorse because this person gets it so those are the three major things that we try to convey in in, uh, in this process. Yeah, I love it. So I'm I'm so big on uh, acronyms and cute little phrases and things like that. Yep. Um, and what I was taught what while you were talking, I was putting I was putting in this this three P process. You know, um, and and it's sort of like people and personality is number one. The people and the personality, the process, and then the perception. You know that that it's really this this three step process of people, the process, and then the perception. You know that making sure just to recap, making sure that they know who the people are. And one of the things that that um, that I've done in my my uh, videos is I, I make very clear, and it, it's something that that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way with title companies as well and settlement agents. You know, as they would say, your lender would give your lender's giving you a five hundred dollar credit. Well, no, 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 it's not the lender. It's Jen. Jen's giving you a five hundred dollar credit. So, so in the people and the personality portion of it, um, I use the client's first names over and over and over because I want to make sure Uh, that it's not just another offer. It's just you know some other buyers. I want to say you know let me tell you about Sally and Tom. You know, and one of the things Sally loves about it and one of the things Tom, you know, is trying to do is this, that, and the other. And so I think if you can put the people and personality in, as you stated before, I think that's super important. Um, you know, to what extent you go based on what you know about um, how much they love the house is, you know, and whether someone does bite on that, I I think is secondary to just constantly using their names just to start with. And then obviously the process, you know, that they've gone through the process and this is what your process is and how your team communicates and what they can expect and setting up those expectations and then finalizing it with that perception, you know, that, that we want to make sure that the perception is clear and that everybody, um, you know, is happy with, with how things are going. So I think that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. I just wanted to kind of recap it. Um, in sort of this yeah deep well that's why you take it and run with it and start marketing it <laughs> you know? uh, i was gonna say yeah that's why it's your podcast and and i'm the guest i was just taking notes on that i love the i love i love that uh, last piece that you added for sure so thank you 
Yeah, yeah. So you market, you know, hey, did they give you your, you know, the three P process or the triple or the three to three to the P to the third power, you know? Yeah, I know. It's always something. Um, okay, so I want to just, uh, before we leave this particular topic, I want to talk about this cash offer piece of it. So can you tell us a little yeah. bit about what you're putting in the letter that says that this is somewhat of a cash offer, but the client reserves the right? So is it in the actual contract that the listing agent or the buying agent is um, saying that's a cash offer? Or is it in your letter that you're showing that because I don't want people to get misled and, and hear this and say, hey, let's just change it to cash and that, oh, yeah, by the way, they reserve the right. So I want to make sure we're doing it properly if we're going to execute this. Yeah, um, so, and this is actually, I'm going to give credit where it's due. This was an idea that, um, you know, came from a friend of mine, and, uh, John Downs, down in the D.C. market, and, you know, I try to pick the brains of people in other markets and maybe get some things that are just kind of a little bit ahead of where our market's at so that we can be kind of on the leading edge of it. And um, um, so I've only on really come up with, what's that? I was saying John's been on the podcast, yeah. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah, so John's a good friend of mine, and we masterminded within, you know, about two months ago. So I have not, I want to, you know, I want to be transparent. I haven't executed on this yet because I haven't had the right buyer, but it's something that I've added uh, to my, uh, you know, quiver, uh, so to speak. But the, the way that that I would envision doing it would be, obviously, in, in Pennsylvania, we have a BFI, borrower's financial information, um, and if they either had the assets in some sort of retirement vehicle or somewhere else or, in some cases, what John was sharing with me down there is they might have a family member that's got, you know, an ample, you know, retirement account or something like that that would be listed on the BFI, um, and it would it's basically essentially you're waiving the financing contingency, um, but then there would just be some sort of language at the end of the contract or on an addendum saying borrower reserves the right to get financing. So it's like, you know, you get this, you know, essentially cash offer or, you know, with a waived uh, financing contingency, um, and then, you know, somebody scheduling an appraisal, you know, well, what's this? I thought that you were going to close cash. You know, ultimately your intention is, is that you're going to get financing, but you're saying, should we not be able to get, fi you know, not be able to get financing and we're called to it. Here's the money that we would use to close, you know, and then also typically that would be accompanied by, a, you know, a large, uh, earnest money check, of course, to you know, to kind of force the hand of that individual, the buyer, to uh, to be able to um, you know to, to close cash if necessary. But um, so that's typically what is a waived you know a waived financing contingency, some sort of documentation to show that the funds to either purchase cash or to make a, uh, a very large down payment would be there. Um, you know, language was just saying reserving the right to to uh, obtain financing so that. You know, when they have to go out and get the appraisal and such, um, you know, nobody's caught off guard. Um, and then and then usually a larger uh, a larger down payment. Um, and again, we're not as overheated, I, I don't think, as some of these other uh, major metro areas. But, I mean, uh, we had a one not that long ago. I had a, you know, we were um, pre, pre-approved on a 20% down, you know, surgeon, you know, 20-year surgeon. And, you know, and we wound up going 40K. Over over ask and the house went for you know a hundred thousand over ask with no financing contingency, uh, you know cash and 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 waived home inspection contingency in on that particular right. property. So, you know, the, you're, as the market is you know continues to be tight and constrained, you know these types of kind of creative ideas to strengthen offers I think are going to be as you know critical. Yeah, yeah, no, I I totally agree, and I'm in the Washington D.C. market, so I know uh, my daughter. Oh, made, okay. Eight or nine offers on homes 
um, before we got one. And we, yeah, we had to start, you know, making some changes too. So, okay. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. Really appreciate it. Um, okay. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is that you had mentioned to me that, uh, you know, you started off as a real estate investor, which is, is one of my specialties, one of my niches is uh, real estate yep. investor financing. You started off as an investor, uh, which led to getting a real estate license, which then later led to you going into the mortgage profession. Uh, so you've got that that nice background, and you had mentioned that you know most of your tenure was all uh, refinance and well, I should back that up. It was uh, subprime and then refinancing yep. um, for several years, and not it wasn't until until three years ago that you um, sort of made a major shift in your practice and started working on, you know, the mortgages under management, mortgage planning, um, and the consultative approach. And yet, here we are three years later, and you're closing 237 loans a year. So those that are listening are saying, gosh, you know, if I could look forward three years, what could I do? Uh, to ensure yep. that I'm at this level in three years, and those that are, have been in the business longer and saying, well, how come I'm not at that level? What are what are some of your insights and secrets to that success in such a short period of time? Because now what you're doing is self-sourcing and, you know, a client um, acquisition on your own, or at least to a certain extent yeah. through your partners. So can you share with us um, how that all kind of came about? Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, so it's all accurate. I should say that there was, uh, you know, it's about, about four years now. It was at the end of 2013. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, geez, if I wish I could, wish I could write an exact playbook and then just, you know, you know, get everybody to be able to duplicate it and, uh, you know, join our team. But, um, I yeah. can definitely give you some of the high level things that, um, you know, that we did. And, and, you know, my roadmap was just, Early on, you know, I was doing the refinances, the, the harps, uh, the FHA streamlines, and I knew I was going to be walking away from something steady and consistent that was paying the bills for something that was going to take some time to develop. Um, you know, and had uh, three, about to have my fourth child at the time, and and uh, it was a big leap of faith, but I just knew that it had to be done. Um, so the very early phases was just a, a real, you know, and I, I mean, I still hustle, I hustle a lot, but, you know, there was a, there was a year of just, absolute grinding. There is just no shortcut to if you're not already in it or already fairly established. This thing I believe does start to snowball. The more that you do, the more business you do, the more opportunities you get on the listing side of the, you know, side of the contract, the more people that see you. So there's a certain amount of momentum that builds, but there's really just no shortcut. I, I believe, uh, or, you know, kind of cheat code, if you will, for the early phase of just really just getting a lot of face-to-face -face meetings and just getting yourself out there. Um, but I can tell you that um, early on, um, investing in a team was critical for me. Um, I think I'm blown away by some of the people that are, are not early on and are fairly established, and you know, they wonder why they keep having these peaks and valleys. Um, and, you know, it's just when you look at the – and, and we've tried to take it to the extreme now with our team. Our team has a business development manager um, who is not only cultivating the relationships, uh, but is truly servicing those relationships. So not to digress too far, but in our team model, it's not just going out and saying, hey, it's great, send us the business, here's why we're good, but it's that we're going to come and link arms with you and we're going to help to develop business with you and grow this thing together. And in order to be able to deliver on that promise, 
That's an entire job description, and it's an entire skill set. So there's that, right? And then there's the mortgage consultation, you know, that, that's, that's so critical. And then there's the, you know, the guidelines and the deal structure and all of that. And you look at all those different things and expect that one person is going to do them effectively. Um, it's just, to me, it's just... Um, it's antiquated, frankly. So um, we, you know, so early on, I was willing, and I made financial concessions, right? When you have more people supporting the business, ultimately that money has to come from somewhere. Um, and there's times where I could have just said, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to do all of this, and um, and and I would have made more. Uh, but ultimately, I uh, brought people in. I, you know, trained them. I got them doing those areas as good or in some cases better than me over time. Um, and that allowed me to scale and to live more and more in the zone, in the space that, you know, I, I am best at. So investing in a team early on, even if it takes some concessions, I think is absolutely critical to turbocharge that growth. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think just, I mean, it seems almost, you know, silly to say, but, you know, just really focusing on, on the relationships and, uh, you know, there's, there's, I think if you just, you know, if you really are focusing on, you know, just, just having, not having a transactional mindset. So I think that, you know, and I said, that's our big piece and, you know, and our value proposition is, you know, I'm not going to sit and tell you about how great my rates and products and services. I'm going to talk about, you know, how we form a partnership and we attack this thing together um, and help serve more clients together. Um, and I think that, you know, if you have that mindset, you'll come up with strategies to execute on that. And I think that that's, you know, far better suited than the, I'm going to take your team out to, uh, you know, a social and I'm going to, you know, pay your broker to sit in your office and all these kind of, you know, in my mind, outdated, you know, marketing strategies. I think people are looking for and desperate for somebody that's not just going to, I'm going to pick up your calls and get your deals at the table on time, but I'm going to be a true partner um, you know, with you. And uh, that's really been our, our strategy, and it's been well-received. Okay, so let me ask you some questions regarding that. Um, I, I want to start uh, with the second piece first, I guess, which is, you know, the partnership and, yep. you know, uh, the strategic partnership specifically. It's one thing to say I have partners and I've got a list of, you know, top um, sharks or tunas or whatever, but, you know, everybody wants to call them or, you know, the, the whales. Yep. Um, you know, to focus on and say that I've got this list of people and I am their partner because when they call, I provide them with really, really good service. That mm -hmm. is a one-sided relationship. It's not truly a partnership. So could you give us one or two examples of what you're doing that um, shines a light on that comment about being a strategic partner? Well, certainly, uh, I can give you I can give you a little bit. Um, so, one of the things that I think is a huge, huge miss for uh, many real estate mortgage people, and certainly real estate people as well. I heard a stat recently, and I, I had a different version of this that when I when we do our presentation. Um, but ninety percent of people in the uh, you know say that they would go back and use the originator that they did their last loan with, but yet. 10% of people approximately actually do it. So there's a huge, huge, now you can't say that all those people change their mind. It's that there's a huge disconnect in your follow-up, you know, and, and what you do to, to, to um, you know, nourish that relationship after closing. And real estate agents are in the exact same boat. You know, when is the last time that a mortgage professional met with a real estate professional and not hearing this podcast and then going up and giving lip service to it, but a well thought out and said, 
we're going to work on creating what what is your current strategy for post closing you know client retention follow up you know referrals and let's talk about what we want it to look like and let's help you craft it together and then execute on it and then refine it as we go together now that takes a significant amount of time investment which is why we're looking for good partners that we can drive, drive deep with. But that's just not a conversation um, that, that lenders are having with their, with their real estate agents. So that would be an example of one. And, and then secondly, you know, our business development manager, as I said, this guy knows you know, social media, you know, excellent. He was in, in a past life, he was a, you know, did door-to-door sales. So he has done door knocking with, you know, a real estate team leader brings on a, you know, a newer agent and he's kind of sat down with them, helped create a social media strategy, pick a farming area, has gone out door knocking with them. Again, that's not an investment of time that you're, you know, one man, one woman loan officer wearing all those hats is going to be able to do. Um, but yet, you know, they've walked away with, with listings and they've walked away with leads uh, from doing that. So those are just kind of two quick um, things that uh, we are, you know, that we regularly do with partners that um, have, that get what we're doing. And then, of course, you have to have the business ultimately support it because when we do these types of things, it's a pretty major investment of time and we can only do it for so many people. So, um, but for the right people that really that latch on to this, um, it's completely separate from, you know, it's, it's different than what other people are offering and therefore, um, I think, of, of uh, immense value to them. Yeah, I have a program called the Booster, a Business Booster Program, and that's very similar. They yeah. all, we kind of all a cart uh, based on whether they're a buying agent, a selling agent, uh, retention, you know, sort of some of these generic pieces as well as, you know, first-time homebuyer seminars, uh, maybe even leaving. Um, I have my partners that are in this that are my strategic partners. Um, when they're out of town, instead of leaving an, you know, a voicemail or an email that says, you know, hey, I'm on vacation right now, please call Susie Q at my office and she can help you with your needs. We've now added, and also call Jen Duplessis because when you uh, get back, we will be able to hit the road running. While I'm gone, you can obtain your pre-approval, right, in so many words. So we've put that in now in their response emails as well as their um, response voicemail. Just as, you know, just to continue to help them because if they do get a phone call that says, you know, hey, call this realtor and they have a bad experience with the realtor, then the client could go someplace else. So we want, you know, yep. our teamwork to really bring those clients in and have them prepared and ready and, hey, welcome back from vacation. You have three pre-approvals. Go out and sell. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's really good. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, I love it. Yeah, I took notes. <laughs> Um, yeah. um, the second part of that is, you know, that, you know, let's be, let's be honest. Um, a lot of people have teams. That's, that's the big thing now. And I, I get it and I have a team and I, I understand all that, but not a lot of people that have teams are completely successful. So yeah. tell us what, you know, if you, if you have some insight in this on, you know, what is it that was in your background? What is it that you learned through attrition? Um, or, you know, some kind of, and I know there's no magic pill in our business, but maybe in this sense there might be, you know, what, what kind of magic is there in developing a team that can help you actually move forward as opposed to uh, moving backward because you're hiring the wrong people, not doing the right training, and, and these might be all things you're going to tell me anyway generically, but maybe there's something specific that you've done that, that really has set you apart that allowed you 
uh, to implement and move forward rather than being on a treadmill with the team. Ooh, yeah, that's a tough one, right? I mean, because I think we've done, a, uh, I think, a pretty good job, and I think the, the results bear it out. But certainly, you know, I am very, you know, open and honest about, you know, our, you know, areas for improvement. And, and um, you know, it's we've had bumps along the way. There's been times where, you know, I've looked at something and said, you know, what have I done here? It wasn't broken, and we've made these changes, and we've added this person to, to help, and, you know, it's, it's made things tougher. So, you know, th- these are challenging things. I, I think the reward in the end of not, uh, not only the ability to scale uh, larger, um, but I think also by putting, you know, more specialists in each leg of the race, if you will, that um, it also allows for better uh, balance and quality of life for the individual team members, which I know is something that, you know, that you talk about frequently is, is, is important to you, I believe. But, um, it, but yeah, there's times where, you know, somebody did this communication exercise with me and they said, you know, it's two people in a room and, okay, how many... How many ways can there be communication? There's, you know, two, one to me to you and you to me. And then how that exponentially grows as you add people. So anytime you add more pieces, um, there's the opportunity to drop balls. And, and um, it really, I think, having a, um, having a great system, right? So meaning, you know, having, having a system, right? So, you know, I've got, you know, whiteboards all over. Yes, I've had whiteboards because you, because there's going to be issues, right? There's going to be things that are going to come up, and yeah. but unless you have something written, then you don't you can't adapt and you can't change and you can't refine. Um, you know, otherwise you're just kind of blowing in the wind. You, you know, you're rudderless. So you know, so so that's one thing is actually having the system and and before making the hire. And I say this with the you know benefit of hindsight because we we haven't done this at times and 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 gotten off course and, and now that now when we add individuals or we want to make some changes, we map it all out in advance. So having a system, having it be in a written system so that then you can track it and then you can, can refine it. Um, there's been big debate in, in different kind of coaching and things that I've done of you know, hiring for experience versus personality. And that, of course, you'd love to have both, but I think personality and disc assessment is absolutely critical. Um, you know, I think I'd, I definitely would rather have somebody that has the right, um, you know, demeanor, has the right, you know, um, just drive and just the right, you know, pieces for the particular role that we're putting them in um, as a, just a general personality and then to teach them uh, what they need to do as opposed to somebody that knows all the right stuff and just, just doesn't mesh well. I, I think the culture of the team um, is absolutely critical. Um, you know, I'm a big prescri- uh, prescriber to, you know, Simon Sinek and, you know, his, uh, his, um, you know, his talks on leadership and uh, just making people feel safe. You know, we have a policy of, you know, we either win or learn, right? And so nobody has to feel like, you know, barring, you know, for a few exceptions, they're going to lose their job or they're going to have somebody storm in and yell at them that we're going to talk about it. Everybody's doing their best and we're going to make the corrections and we're not going to have it happen again. So I think creating an environment of safety, creating an environment of people feeling supported, um, you know, and, um, you know, and those types of things. And, and one thing that to answer this question, and I think also I, I left out on the, you know, if I was, you know, kind of giving the roadmap for the growth, I'm a massive 
I'm massively into coaching and, and, and self-development. In fact, as I've grown the team, I'm spending more time on, you know, masterminding and, and, uh, and kind of pulling different ideas and concepts from around the country through various coaching and, and masterminding and then, you know, really being the one to kind of execute on it and then letting the team run with the torch. Um, so I think that's, that's critical, right? Because there's so many different ways. There's people that have transaction coordinators and processors. There's people that have one person that does both roles, but then has an opener. There's, there's biz, people that are now experimenting with this business development, which we're, we're big into. There's so many ways to do it that there isn't one clear roadmap. And so, you know, and then there's different people in different markets who might be more closely aligned to your market and your clientele who are going to, who are going to be able to shorten the learning curve for you because they've already been through and dealt with some of these challenges. So I think investing in yourself, investing in coaching, investing in, um, you know, personal development and, uh, and then masterminding and having a great group of people around you to be able to bounce ideas off of is going to shorten that learning curve. And hopefully in some cases, you can learn from their mistakes as opposed to having to make them yourself. Um, but make no mistake about it. There's going to be some bumps along the way because there always is when you try to grow. But if you get it right, I think you, there's just no way that somebody not going through that process will ultimately be able to compete if you get it, if you get it right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's all real good stuff. I think, you know, it's slowed down to speed up. I, um, that's one yeah. thing that I talk to, you know, with the clients that I coach all the time is, you know, don't hire so fast. Slow down. Yep. Uh, get your ducks in a row. Get your systems in place. Um, and I think what ends up happening is people um, will say, hey, um, you know, I need to hire this person. Um, I need somebody because I'm, I'm working till 11 o'clock at night and I met somebody and I just, they're so nice and I really like them and, you know, and they're attractive and, you know, they're going to be perfect for my team and they're cheap. So they'll also yep. be perfect for my team. And um, so what we're doing is we're hiring on emotion rather than, you know, to fulfill a role that needs to fit into um, our process and our system. And when you fill that, fill the role that way, you're more precise in who you're looking for. You know, if you're looking for business development, if you, if you just need help, it's a commodity, right? You just need help, but you don't know where they're going to fit versus, Hey, I need a, um, you know, I specifically need a business development officer. Well, those, those skills soft and hard are going to be completely different than someone who is an LOA, you know, who is uh, looking at documents and entering information into your LOS system, et cetera. So that therein lies, I think, one of the biggest problems that I see with people hiring is um, just hiring because they found somebody rather than yep. carving out the position for them. So thank you for reiterating that, too. I think, I think that that was, you know, stellar. So, okay, as we kind of wrap up what we're, our call here today, you know, we just finished up the half of the year. Um, what are you going to do different in the second half of the year to get to where you want to go? Is there something that you're implementing uh, now or, or uh, you know, brainstorming on or scratching on the back of a napkin to, to put into play? Yeah, so, um, you know, my, my next, you know, of course, I always kind of keep an open mind and, you know, where the market's leading us. But, you know, at one time I was trying to grow my team broader and, um, you know, and, and add, you know, of course, additional loan officers within my branch. And um, I still have uh, two right now, but um, I've, I've really 
um, thin, thin the crowd, if you will. And the idea was to just get really clear about one thing, get our core production, you know, really, really solid, and um, and, and uh, it's much easier to control you know, one thing that you already know works and refine it and make it better um, than to try to layer more stuff on top of it. Um, but, you know, there's definitely opportunity to grow that way, certainly as a, as a branch manager. Um, so, you know, my ideas now is, is to just continue to, I mean, it's always going to be a lifelong process to refine, but I feel like we've really got it dialed in. Um, I, it's, the, the business development manager was end, uh, added at the end of last year, so that's really taken some of the pressure off of me to be constantly out there, um, you know, driving the business, and that has allowed me to spend a lot more time um, analyzing and refining our system and, as I said, kind of pulling ideas from all over and, and then implementing the ones I like into into our process, and I feel like it's um, it's pretty dialed in. Um, and so now my goal is to then um, attract, go back to recruiting, but with a uh, much you know, higher filter than we had had in the past. And our target is really going to be that four to eight unit a month loan officer who either has had a ceiling at that level or who has, um, is doing it, but doing it just running off the rails with no balance and, and work-life balance and to essentially bring them into our model and then put them on a parallel tract of growing the team the way that we are with the you know, strategic hires of either junior loan officer and business development and, and ultimately give them you know, our secret sauce, if you will, um, and, and to try to develop you know, the 10, 15 unit, 20 unit a month loan officers. So that's, I, I think that we're going to continue to try to go organically with our core, core group, but I feel with our systems in place and with a biz, business development person out there you know, really carrying the torch on that end, um, I do feel there's opportunity to, you know, recruit selective loan officers that are struggling with that, that, uh, that next growth to double digit, uh, to double digit monthly numbers and, 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 or, you know, work life balance. Um, and I, and I believe that our process and our, our, our team set up, um, uh, addresses those, those, uh, you know, those things that, that a lot of mortgage people struggle with. Um, and our goal is to, to bring them into the fold and, and hopefully develop them um, to, to be doing similar things to what we're doing. So that's really been kind of my kind of second that's phase awesome. of this. Yep. Yep, that's awesome. So yeah. you're, you're looking forward. And, I, you know, it's, it's uh, something that I tell, I, I ask people, I don't know if I tell people, I ask people all the time is, um, you know, are you a 10-1 loan officer? Because we all know what arms are, right? Are you a 10-1 loan officer? Yep. Have you been in the business? one year at a time for 10 years and hit the reset button every year and you haven't grown your business or have you consistently moved your practice along over those 10 years to, to have that incremental growth and it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing and you know that so if you're listening in you you want to take take note of what's happening there is that we're looking for always looking for growth not looking for sustainability you know year after year after year it's all, all about the growth so that you can have, you know, a really high quality practice and and really be in the business for, I mean, look at me, 35 plus years, you know, there's no way you can do it unless you are growing. There's no way to sustain um, the reset button for 35 years. It's not possible. <laughs> it's just not yeah. I could agree. You get something and you've wrapped your arms around it and you feel like, well, I'm just going to hold on to it tight. But the fact is that ultimately this business has changed like most businesses so quickly that, you know, you've you got to constantly be willing to, to kind of recreate and, and to evolve and not be afraid to, to make some mistakes along the way. But, yeah, I, I could not agree more. 
yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, what book are you reading right now? Uh, I just got in the mail uh, 4DX, Four Disciplines of Execution. Oh, yeah, awesome. Uh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's hard to yeah. get into it first, but you're going to love it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also going to give another shout-out to a, a, a friend of mine in the business. I don't I – don't he's a, a competitor at the moment, but uh, Jeff Van Note, he's written a book called The Mortgage, uh, Mortgage Playbook for Millennials. He has a cool theme with the mortgage quarterback and everything's kind of get in the game and educate yourself, and, and I am kind of reading that as well. Um, I'm a little just, just outside the, the millennial group, but um, I think that's you know, obviously on everybody's radar, and, and he wrote a really cool book that's a, a nice, easy read that I've also been, uh, been reading. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That sounds, yeah. that sounds right up my alley. Everything I do is all about yeah. first and ten, do it again. And I just said halftime, right? We're in the locker room. We're yeah. trying to figure out how we're going to win the game. <laughs> right? Yep. That's well, awesome. that's, you know, that's the idea. Yeah, my, my daughter's yep. a millennial, and she's in the business. So I need to need to take a look at that one. Got to get up on it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, I want to say thank you so much, Bill, for your time today. Thank you for, uh, you know, sharing so much information. There's several good nuggets that we got out of today's call. And, you know, if someone's really serious about improving their practice, and, and especially in this particular market, you've provided um, everyone with a few little tweaks. You know, these aren't revamping things. These are little tweaks that, that um, you're doing now that they should be considering that, um you know, we'll push their business forward. So thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to, to spend time with us and share with us. Well, thank, thank, you. thank you again for having me. It was, it was an honor. Yeah, well, oh, you're welcome. Um, so if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's going to be the best way for them to reach out? On Facebook, on your page, or, or what? Yeah, you can find me, Bill Mervin, uh, Annie Mac Home Mortgage. Yeah, Facebook is great. Reach out, send me a friend request, send me, send me a message, and, uh, and um, I'm always loving no, I'd love to speak to uh, to people in our industry and just make more friends. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. Well, listen, I'm going to be seeing you soon because I'm coming up to your uh, August summit or October summit. I'm going to be up at your summit yeah. again, and hopefully you'll be up there and I'll get a chance to, to spend time with you again, and um, we'll have a cocktail. Wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. All right. Take care. I will be there. Listen, again, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, great. That's good. Uh, everybody, thank you again for listening. Uh, you know, I'm always so grateful for, for everyone who is sharing this and paying, and paying this forward by sharing it with your colleagues and your realtors, by the way. Share with your realtors. I have many, many realtors that are on my docket for interviewing because I think it's important uh, from the lender perspective that we learn more about them and their mindset, but also, you know, from the mortgage perspective, when real estate agents listen in, they're hearing more about what where our challenges are, um, and it's helping our community as a whole. So please pay it forward to all of your realtors as well. Share uh, various um, uh, episodes that we have where there's a realtor who's speaking about something that maybe you can share with your realtor and help progress their business forward as well. So again, thank you. And don't forget to write your um, reviews on iTunes. Even if you did a review once, you can go out there and do it again and again and again. It just keeps us moving forward. So uh, hopefully you love this um, episode and we will catch you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Thank you for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Looking to streamline and launch your practice by accessing Jen's tools, courses, classes, presentations, and resources? Visit jenduplessis.com to learn about the features and benefits thousands of other professionals have experienced by enrolling in Jen's Lifetime Membership Program. Isn't it about time you consider a coach to take your business to new heights? Contact Jen to start your application process today. Thanks again. 
and be sure to tune in next week.